Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Other Minds and Hands. This is episode 22 as we finish the week of episode six, the post episode six week, uh, and get ready for the release of episode seven here this evening. How are you doing this evening, Maggie? Oh, you know, I think I've recovered. I think I've recovered. But <laughs> can we good. just start with that final shot of episode six, redeeming like any other issue I ever had with the six <laughs> episodes? Man, the uh, the volcano was just visually spectacular. It yeah. was really amazing. And, and that, that we shot... all knew where it was going. You know, like, yeah. there's just something about the recognition of like, oh, oh, you know, and it was <laughs> it was fun as well yeah. as fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm that, good. I'm good. The shot of Galadriel, you know, just sort of standing there with that look on her face as the black yeah. cloud, you know, goes over her was And some interesting conversation um on social about that. I don't know if you saw any of the threads of just like, you know, what did you take about that take cuz a lot of people were talking about PTSD and a whole bunch of other things that you know, somebody was saying she was giving up and was ready to sacrifice herself and I could see that i could also see an, an absolute challenge like bring it you know right, like right. one more thing yeah i got you know yeah but yeah i, I mean this there was it's it, and, and and the more powerful because it works in several yeah. different ways in that way right i mean it, you could say that is as you're just suggesting right that is galadriel standing against the darkness everybody else is scurrying and running and like what a wonderful uh sort of encapsulation right of that element of her mm -hmm. character there's galadriel alone in her armor facing the oncoming darkness right and even though she is just being overwhelmed and alone she has no you know hope against it and yet there she stands right so and, and that's and, and yeah. if, if you think that you'd be right like it absolutely yeah. works that way right if you see it as you know the um uh her despair right like a, a a despair that stems from her her ptsd you know that mm -hmm. stems from her own uh sort of increasing self-loathing which has to only have increased after that conversation with adar which mm -hmm. i think was her absolute lowest point so far mm -hmm. in this whole show i mean she's been trending downwards actually yeah. uh from the from episode one through she's been trending downwards and like sort of where she is um yeah and if you saw it as like you know the now, after her conversation with Adar and her threatened to murder all of his children and kill him last, you know, like, and now she's being, you know, she's being engulfed by the oncoming darkness. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be wrong. Like that's that's you know that that's also a fair a way place. to read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you know, if you see it as an almost kind of suicidal impulse, you know, sort of triggered to that, like I'm not gonna resist. Yeah. Like you know, as a statement of despair. Yeah, it works that way, too. I mean, it works on so many different levels. Yeah. Um, and this is why I have a really hard time. Um, I have a really hard time understanding. There are several people who have said, like, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I don't understand. Because I've said many times in Rings and Realms that I think that Galadriel's depiction is really complex. People are like, mm -hmm. I don't think Galadriel's complex at all. And I'm like, I can't understand how anybody could possibly say that. Like, yeah. there is so much going on uh, sort of psychologically. Thing. She's just an angry teenager. I'm like, oh, there's a lot more. But there's so much more. I, I think that's also kind of revealing, though. If 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 the audience isn't willing to put the work in to look for the nuance or to recognize the nuance, then they're just seeing angry. 
Yes. I get yes. that, you know, but I don't see that. You, like there's there's so much going on with her and I love it when somebody points something out differently from how I saw it because I saw that as holding my ground. I got a challenge against lava. Yeah. And somebody else says, "Oh, couldn't that be PTSD?" It's like, "Holy crap. Yep. That be good because yeah. this girl Absolutely. and this woman and and that scene with Adar where we see her I mean, they're not the same, but all of a sudden you saw a lot more similarities in them than differences. Yeah. The mirroring in that scene was so strong. Holy cow. Like, yeah. 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 And you understand why he hates her and she hates him. And for the first time, we see Galadriel as something other than a perfect being. We see her as really quite flawed and problematic and perhaps chasing the wrong thing. And, ooh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, I mean, as, uh, as, uh, uh, Ariel says, uh, in the Twitch chat, she says, as a person who has suffered trauma and has PTSD, I love the way they're put portraying Goadriel. They're getting mm-hmm. all those nuances so well. Um, it is co- so complicated, you know, it is so complicated. Yeah. And, and, um, again, people who even criticizing Goadriel's actions, right? Like, so to take one example, episode three, right? When she first went to Numenor, um, and was like so rude uh, mm-hmm. in the, you know, in that first, uh, you know, there were a lot of people who were like, why are they depicting Goadriel like this, right? Well, why are they, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, people were so quick to write that off as just like bad writing, you know, that like, you know, that like, yeah. why are they making Goadriel so rude? They shouldn't do that. Like, there's so much going on there, you know, like yeah. her own, um, she is, on, she's been on edge for the whole time, you know, at the whole show, um, on the edge of various things, right? We've seen her, she gets triggered and pushed off the edge at various points. And we see her, the way that her pride is involved as well Mm -hmm. as her, you know, there's, there's like her trauma, there's her pride, there's her hope, there's her despair, all of these things playing in. Um, and like like, her people's history, you know, I mean, just like the culture wars against the two as well. Like she is embodying that entire culture yes yes exactly um and there's yeah so it's uh um i mean that's the other thing that you have to keep in mind like she's not just appearing in some neutral random royal court here right Mm -hmm. um i mean like you have to realize this is to them you know to the elves this is like the these are like these people have betrayed them you know um like and she you know clearly sees herself in this sort of ambassadorial position, but not an ambassador, like not like in the position to like, as an ambassador, suck up to this power. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, she's uh, again, and I'm not saying that it's this, it's like the, it is not a smart move. She's done a lot of things that aren't smart. Right. Because she's in a very complex and chiefly emotionally driven place throughout the show. Um, But um, anyway, anyway, it's uh as I say, there's there's so much going on. I love that we just skip straight to that. Like, okay, let's take a moment. Let's <laughs> take, take a moment, moment, everybody. Take a moment. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a moment. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, this episode was totally different. We followed one yes. storyline. Yes. I wish, like, I, I guess I I don't know if I can say I wish they didn't done that from the beginning, but I wish they'd done that from the beginning. I I don't know if I can hundred percent convince myself of that because it was so nice to see the snippets of everybody leading up to this, but. 
this was the first episode that I felt like I really got to sit with people and get to know yes. them and feel yes. their emotions. And so just as we requested last week, we got more Arondir and Bronwyn, and I feel mm. so much better about that storyline. I mean, not that I felt bad about it, but I did feel disconnected from it. It was the one that, I, and I got, everyone's different there. There'll always be people who are like, I love them most from the beginning, and that's cool. But anyway, we were talking about our own experiences with that last week, and I definitely, um, mm-hmm. watching Bronwyn about bleed, bleed out, I was... I, I became invested, so yeah. so that was uh, so that was good. And their relationship too, like yeah, I know we talked about that last week, but like you know, and their relationship too. I I just didn't care or believe it, or I, the, mm-hmm. I had no I had no connection to it. And then the moment that they do share was just really natural, and it just fit them. And I love yeah. how it was shot with us being kind of farther away in this like little idyllic situation. And yeah, all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> yep, 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 I see it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, no, I, I thought that was, um, uh, I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool. I, I thought that mm-hmm. that, that was, a, was a really good effect. I mean, I don't think at the end of the day, like I did really love the focus on that whole story through line and I know you know we, we've saying it's one storyline technically too because you know the other one got integrated with it halfway through the episode um but still um yeah at the same time though I was like st- st- still I'm still feeling Harfoot withdrawal um you know so like and I'm I, feeling Durin withdrawal I know <laughs> yeah understand. yeah exactly so I and, can't get uh, a whole episode of Durin and Elrond I'm in yeah yeah, the previews the previews have promised both uh, both Durin okay. and Elrond and Harfoots uh, in this coming episode. So, yeah. um, so it, at the end, in the end, I don't think that I can say that I wish every episode had yeah. been as focused as it would have been. Really, I mean, then we would be leaving like you know the Harfoots behind for five weeks, and yeah. it, 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 it would. I mean, there's a whole bunch of plot lines they have to move along. Yeah. So I I sort of get that, but. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But it was nice to have a change of pace. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barking is commiserating with you on the doer and withdrawal. You know, that's, that's. Barking, uh, I mean, yeah. I know we all kind of like high five and laugh, like, oh, barking is dwarves. And like, he was on to something, that barking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. From dwarves. the beginning, long before the show was launched, barking has been saying, like, it's all about the dwarves. And now we're all like. Dwarves. He You're was right. so wise <laughs> from the <Yeah>. beginning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tyler, that's a really interesting observation that the um, uh, it was the best episode of the season and yet somehow didn't have the best storyline of the season, which is, mm. he says, uh, Elrond and Durin. Um, that is interesting. Uh, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it difficult to even say things like best episode. It was... I I don't know. I don't know if it was the best episode. But yeah, yeah. I liked it more than five for sure, but I also still am thinking more and more that this is a bigger arc. Um, you know, I read an article. I think it was actually Cat Sass, wasn't it? Where she was talking about this was the first episode that made it feel yeah. like a strong television episode, right? Because they tend yes. to forget that this is episodic, right. and. I kind of agree, and and I I want to go back and watch the whole of the first season in one eight-hour go, because I think that's going to make a whole lot more sense. It's not filmed episodically, and therefore it's made it harder to kind of stick with. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Um, Yeah, no, there there are a lot of challenges 
to this. I mean, it's it's one of the things. Um, whenever I, you know, am thinking along these lines, like, oh, you know, maybe it would be it would be cool if they had done this differently, right? Well, then I try to imagine like oh, what would be the implications of that. Like, it would be cool to do more sustained stories, but but the at the cost of you know going four episodes with no dwarves and four episodes with no you know Harfoots, and I, you know I don't think in the end it would be worth the cost there. Um, Anyway, and I just I, I I end up thinking that on a lot of levels, you know, there are so many yeah. things where, you know, it's like, well, you know, if um, there's so much they're trying to do, like there's so much that they need to capture. Season one, I think, is going to in particular is really challenging. I mean, we always knew oh. that this was going to be challenging because it's the sort of set up an establishment of the whole thing. Um, my yeah. biggest my biggest hope, like my biggest piece of optimism for season two is that having established the characters having established the plot lines season two can really just focus on, you know, people have talked about like, Oh, you know, I, I hear people complaining about not enough happening. I still, it's hard. <laughs> I have no sympathy with people who consider this show boring. I'm like, there's so much <laughs> happening. I can barely yeah. even track with, keep I have up. to watch it three yeah. times to, to try to keep up with things. Um, and, uh, but I do think more sort of, Less establishment, more action is likely mm. what we're going to be able to get in season two. Yeah. Um, and it'll I think it really should be a quite different kind of process in season two than we're getting in season one. I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, like, I hope, you know, as, as we meander this evening, we talk a little bit about what we're thinking the end of this season and the start of next season, because I think the continuity is going to be a real challenge. And like yeah. you said, they really had to set up a load. Like they made such a big deal when we were in London and New York to say they had 118 speaking characters. Like yes. they know what they're juggling and like how much yeah. they have to juggle. What we've just learned is that it's going to be about two years until season two comes out. Yeah. That's a really big ask of your audience to have that big it of is. a gap, isn't it? But that also means we have a lot of time to deep dive into season one potentially. And I sure hope there's a lot of content between season one and season two for discussion and analysis and behind the scenes and all this other stuff to kind of keep us engaged. Yeah. And then yeah. when we get into the start of season two, we're ready, you know, like pumped and primed. We know who these people are. We know what's at stake. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a different I mean, way to view something. Yeah. There is a lot to talk about, but yeah, we sure need to... <laughs> we sure need that to happen um, in order to... And, and, we, and we don't know. I mean, they haven't set a release date you know there was that you know a bunch of people yeah. talking about that Hollywood Reporter article um, yeah. Uh, which yeah which suggested that there might be a time we know they're filming right now um, yeah. like we, we don't even we're not we're not sure um, who or if we're going to be able to get a member of the cast for our Twitter show tomorrow because um, like we they it's all happening it's all happening they're like yeah. you know the, the, the message we just got was we have to wait to see what the shooting schedule is tomorrow <laughs> in order to yeah. see who might be available. We so. need to hear from production and then we'll see who's available to basically dive into a tent and jump on Twitter with us. <laughs> right, exactly. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, it's happening right now. Again, you know, what the timing will be, no idea. Um, yeah. But um, uh, anyway, um, Oh, um, uh, Maggie, did you see uh, Meow Indeed's question for you about the plot structure of episode six? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The roller coaster uh, one. Roller coaster. First the tower kills all the orcs. Yay. Then they survive and invade. Sad. And then yay. And then sad. 
exhausted watching it. I mean, I think that's the point, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it was such a barrage on that village over and over and over again. You keep thinking you get a minute, minute to catch your breath and it's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So they do give us those like soft little moments to just go in order to up the ante. So I think that's very purposeful. I mean, that is just rising action, rising action to mm -hmm. a climax. And I, I don't think we're at the climax yet. I think this is all still rising action and it's building this up to the last two episodes. And I don't know if you guys have seen all of the, the promotion and marketing that has come out today. I, I have not. I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to watch the trailers, but it is all <laughs> over my Instagram feed and things of like the last two episodes are being billed together as the finale, pretty much. Like, are you pumped for the last two episodes? The finale of Rings and Realms. So they're oh, Rings and Realms, <laughs> Rings of Power. I keep doing that too. <laughs> yeah, so they, they keep building it up as like this is the finale these two episodes so i think this is all rising action i don't know if it was perfectly handled there was a lot of jumping around i think i even mentioned it in um rings and realms the first analysis that i did of that fight scene there was just a lot of back and forth i think it worked in that scene the mm -hmm. the pacing of that was really strong to like cut to the villagers being scared cut to the fight being terrifying back and forth yeah yeah um but there was a lot in this episode that was nice. But it, when we got the low moment, I could have used just a little bit more, not low, I could have used a little bit more depth potentially, you know, like right. thinking about the low moments of that episode or the quieter moments, there were maybe four, Yeah. you know, like you're, uh, Keener, the eyes of the elves, um, the buddies post fight right before the interview at our yep. uh, Galadriel and, and uh, Halbrand in the woods and look you have a new king maybe there are one or two oh and arondir and bronwyn right five. we right. have five soft moments in that <laughs> that episode right. and yeah that, that makes for a, a rough go of it and you probably needed a nap after that episode so it was certainly yeah, intense i mean i was i you know my experience after watching it the first time was very much like that kind of like out of breath feeling um yeah it was uh it was and that we end with friggin mountain doom like there's no chance for relaxation it's just straight into right. kaboom yeah. right and then lava starts falling on them so yeah yeah and um, potentially everybody's dead that we just saw fight for their lives like we don't right. actually know yet until yeah. the start of the next episode yep yep yeah um yeah so uh let's let's talk about halbrand Briefly, you have to talk about Halbrand. Ninety-nine people Halbrand. are waiting for it. Yeah, it was my number one thing. I didn't get to in Rings and Realms. Um, so, I, I have changed my mind about Halbrand. Um, I have not changed my mind that I don't think he's Sauron. Um, uh, I still find those arguments very, very weak, and I still find those arguments. Um, uh, and I still, I, I still say all the same things that I said about that. Um, that it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm going to need a lot. Of, like they're going to have to do 20 minutes of exposition to convince me that it was a good plan for Sauron mm -hmm. to be, um, uh, to be, <laughs> to be doing this. Um, the, the one possibility, right? The one way in which Halbrand being Sauron ever made sense 
is the idea that he is repentant in some way. The idea of the repentant Sauron is there in the text at the very, very beginning of the Second Age. But of course, everything is being pushed to the end. So in theory, that could happen. I never believed that, though, because Sauron clearly has plans in motion. uh, And so like that he's still repenting at this time of day seems almost impossible to believe. Um, And that, I think, was plainly contradicted by Adar's story. Right. There's now I don't believe I still don't believe a lot of what Adar says. Um, I think that Adar is not seeing the same world that we're all seeing at all. I mean, I think Adar is quite plainly delusional about many Mm -hmm. things. Um, He's extremely convincing, (laughs) but I don't believe him. Nevertheless, Um, however, I do believe him about Sauron's research experiments on orcs. Right. We saw the physical evidence of that, which Galadriel had the same assessment, um, you know, back in episode one. Uh, and so therefore Sauron, I mean, unless he repented after that, which is really hard to believe that he, uh, that, that he would be doing that. Um, anyway, so no, I don't believe that Sauron is still at this time in the plot repentant or whenever Halbrand got on his raft. Um, it would work if not for the fact that it really can't be happening at this point. Um, I still absolutely disbelieve. So there are two factors that still absolutely, I, I do not think that Sauron, Halbrand being Sauron fits. That's one. It just makes no sense of the Sauron plot at all. Why would Sauron be doing any of that? Um, uh, especially within the scope of his knowledge. Like within the scope of his knowledge, he would have no possible way of knowing. He was going to randomly run into, have a chance encounter with Galadriel at sea, after a shipwreck, um, nor that they would then be found and taken to Numenor. Like, none of those things make sense, actually. Um, so, I, I, again, I disbelieve in that plot line entirely. But the second reason why I don't uh, continue to not think that Halbrand is Sauron is that um, he, Halbrand's own story is in my opinion, too compelling for that. I love Halbrand's story. Um, and if it all turns out just to be a crock, then I will I will strongly dislike that. Um, I can't because, see it being yeah. a crock, but I, I, I'm struggling with what else it could be. I, I mean, I don't think he's Sauron either. So it's not like, well, what else could he be? It's like, no, right. tell me what the other options are because I think that's the part that I'm missing because he clearly has a real depth of history there and has walked yes. away from something. And if that is completely fictional and they've just made up this deep storyline, I'm going to struggle with it. I Me assume too. you think it's going to be set in lore somehow. And I well, also think okay. he becomes the king of the dead, or I hope he becomes the king of the dead. That's still but my favorite. My favorite. Reading, I love absolutely. that idea. Yeah, I love that too. Um, yeah. yeah. If if I if I if I if I had it to choose, that's absolutely the direction I would yeah. take it. But. Um, Okay, so here's the major things that I that I feel like again, just considering how Brand's but ignoring the Sauron stuff for a minute because I don't think I still don't think it makes a lick of sense, um, uh, and just looking at how Brand's plot and how it fits with what we've seen, right? He's running away, right? He's been running away. That you know, you're making you're asking me to go back to the one place I said I would never go back to. He is talking about what he's done. He spoke first in episode three about the. Uh, blood oath of his ancestors, right? And um, he, he was at first seeming to imply that, like, oh, he's worried that the blood oath of his ancestors will still, you know, weigh on him, right? And he won't be free of it. Um, but then, of course, in episode 
Acts 5, uh, in the mutual confession scene with Galadriel, um, he came around to admitting that it wasn't just about his ancestral blood oath, that he himself has done things, right? And I believe that he himself... So, in my suspicion, based on what we saw in episode five with Waldrick, the only blood combined scene, when uh, Adar forced Waldrick to murder Rowan, which happened off screen. We don't know that it happened for sure. I mean, we've, I've not seen a body from Rowan, right? But I'm assuming that that's, that's what I felt like I was being invited to conclude, that Waldreg had to, like, you know, uh, kill Rowan um, and through killing Rowan solidify his oath, right, to Adar, to Adar's service. So when Halbrand finds Adar... Right. And we see how upset he is about Adar and how much he wants to kill Adar. Um, going back to what Halbrand said about blood oaths, historical and about you don't know what I've done. If you did, you would despise me and everyone here would despise mm-hmm. me. Um, I th- it seems to me that what happened is that Adar forced him to kill somebody that he swore to Adar in order to save his own life um, and that he was forced to kill somebody. Um in order to do that, like Waldrig was as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, um, you know, and who knows? I don't know who it was, right? You know, Adar gave us a little hint, right, in saying, like, you know, did I kill someone that you loved or whatever? Right. Um, and I think the answer is, like, no, it's actually worse than that. You made me kill yeah. somebody I you loved. You made me kill somebody that I love. Exactly. Um, and... Um, Exactly, Chris. I couldn't help but think of yeah. that, too. If uh, I, I remember Halbrand's comment about having taken the sigil off a dead man, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did he take it off the man he killed? Um, was is which could which could be a couple things, right? It could be his own father, right? Um, whom he was forced to kill and who and whose sigil he took, which would weigh him which which would be both like I need to fulfill I need to like fulfill this legacy from my father which again given all the legacies from fathers we've seen in season 1 that seems to me like that could potentially uh, work for sure and would certainly be mean that his relationship with that sigil would be extremely fraught right not only with um mm. the desire to make it right Right. And, uh, you know, accomplish what his father never accomplished, um, but also massively burdened with guilt. If, in fact, yeah. he had to kill his own father uh, in order to, you know, to swear to Adar. I mean, I, so, I don't know. Um, I For think Darren's that... comment here that that feels good. He could have killed his brother. The brother thing with Galadriel seemed to get to him. I hadn't really. Thought oh, about yeah. That, but... Yeah. The brother Ooh. thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible. That's possible. Um, it's also possible that he's not the king at all. Right. Yeah. Um, from when we first met him in uh, episode two, you'll remember I was theorizing that he was the long lost king of the Southlands. Um, that, of course, turned out to be his plot arc, at least to this point. Um, I was I believed it until he said until, yes. Yeah. Right. As soon as we said the same uh, thing, as, as soon as he took up that helm, we were like, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. When 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 he says, you know, when 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 Bronwyn is like, "Are you the king we've always been, you know, we we've been waiting for?" and he's like, 
Yes. Yes, I am. I was like, no, no, he isn't. <laughs> He's, I believe like this, you until that the, moment. You smug little faker, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. And and I mean, and in his defense, like he was, he kept saying like, no, 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 it's not me. This is, you know, you're forcing me into this. You know, he's, he's, he's been voluntold into this role from the beginning, right? By yeah. Galadriel. Um, uh, now he's not been forthcoming right about the real story and everything so like that's nobody's fault but his own but but still like his, uh, when he stepped up and said that he you know that he was the real king i just i i at that point at that in that moment um i doubted it so um yeah anyway yeah i um uh so Tyler, Tyler suggests, uh, Tyler Klotz says, uh, what if he killed his father, not because Adar forced him, but because they were going to side with Adar and he stopped them? Um, I know because he, well, remember when he was like, while he was uttering to Galadriel the words, you don't know what I've done, right? If you knew what I had done, then you would despise me and everything. While his, those words were being spoken, they were being overlaid on the, video on on the you know the image of of Waldrig at leading the you know the that half of the refugees to Adar and kneeling down before Adar right um so there was like more than an implication and when you combine that with his with his mention of the blood oath back in episode 3 i i cannot imagine that he's actually innocent like that's like the the one scenario I have a really hard to, as far as like his character, it's one of the, the hardest things that I have to, because uh, he wouldn't be, I mean, yes, he could still feel really guilty. He could still say something like the, you would despise me line if he were guilty of parasite, right? right? Um, even parasite in a good cause, right? Like that's, he would still be guilty about that. Um, but I, I, I um, if that were true, then the kind of misdirection that the show was doing in that moment would have been what you and I, Maggie, were talking about as like the bad kind of misdirection, where they're just like um, misleading us for the sake of misleading us, right? Um, You know, it's, and that's, uh, and and so, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I can't rule it out. Um, But it's hugely risky. It's kind of irresponsible. Like, I don't know. It's not a smart choice because you're assuming that your audience is going to be able to keep up. And I don't know. I want to give a lot of credit to the audience, but I'm also like, we're also in an age where everybody has their phone in their hands for the entirety of whatever episode. So like, you can't put that many minute, tiny details in an episode. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, Adar's who are you line? Who are you? Okay. So first of all, the fact that Adar didn't recognize him, I actually kind of loved. Um, uh, and again, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm speaking here within like, unless I'm explicitly debunking the Halbrand equals Sauron idea, um, just, know that I am talking about the plot arc we are being given for Halbrand, right? Um, I'm, 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 I'm accepting that. Okay. Um, at least for now, because I, that's what we've been given. Um, and it is so much more coherent. It's so so much more compelling a story. Um, I will, if Halbrand, should Halbrand turn out to be Sauron, I would, uh, mourn the loss of the plot line of Halbrand's plot line as much as I would lament the 
unreason uh, of mm-hmm. that Sauron plotline. Um, there are like both negative and positive reasons why I am very much hoping that he's not Sauron because I like his I like his character I like his I arc like his, I'm, yeah, I'm 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 really like interested. I, the way that it, it seems, maps it back like to cop-out. calls back to Aragorn right. and yeah you know exactly yeah it it it, 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 it does seem like a cop out yeah yeah it yeah. does seem there's like so a many cop-out. other things that character can do and everybody thinks oh it's so easy he's Halbrand it has to be Sauron it has to be well if yeah. they go with that I'll be like well dang you know. There's so yeah. many other no, cool things that can happen with that. Severely, severely disappointing. But um, um, uh, but uh, anyway, anyway. So, but back to Halbrand's actual storyline, <laughs> right? Um, when Adar says that he doesn't recognize him, right? I kind of liked that actually. I did too. Right. One of the things that we see, and people were saying like, "Oh, that must be really, really significant. It must prove that Halbrand is 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 just a disguise, right? Because Adar has never seen him before." No, it means that Adar doesn't give a crap about the humans who swear exactly. fealty to him. He cares and only about the orcs. Is he going to recognize Waldreg two weeks from now? No, he's not going to recognize. Does he care anything about Waldreg? No. And it was, a, and it also yeah. gives you like the depth of how many people he's probably done this to. Because yes, I don't remember you. You know. Yeah, like, who? Yeah, this is not a new. I force people to, to kill their relatives all the time. All like the it's, time. and and I don't care about any of them. And I'm not. It's like don't think you're special, right? Yeah. I don't remember you. You don't matter. And what is like this huge life changing event to you mm-hmm. is utterly inconsequential to me. Like to me, that was just like yet again Adar being amazingly creepy villain, right? Um, well, yeah. When you pointed out, it was like Drax from Guardians. I was like. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, just have no concept of, of any effect that he could have on someone's life because it's just an ant under his boot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and for Adar in particular, it's really, it really demonstrates how much he is focused on his children, right? On the orcs. Like it, he doesn't, yeah. he's willing to take the service of the humans, right? When they come to him, he's using, he's willing to use Waldreg, for instance. But he doesn't care. That's why he has them kill each other. That's why he yeah. sends them out in order to die in the village, right? Because he doesn't value them at all or care even a little bit, right? Um, uh, so, so yes, his non-recognition of Halbrand felt to me perfectly, uh, uh, yeah. perfectly sensible in that way um, and really interesting. So then the question is, why does he ask who he is later on? Because it seemed like... It's- Something, right? Something. So there's something. Yeah. Like, first of all, remember Halbrand, when Halbrand, when the first time when he doesn't recognize him, he's just like the warrior who's holding a spear at his throat, right? Yeah. Later on, when when Adar asks that question, Halbrand is clearly, like, it's clear that he has some kind of position. It's clear that there's some sort of significance to him. Right. Well, and that he stopped Gladriel from slitting his throat. I mean, in, yes. if, if, if a man is able to stop an elf exactly. from doing that, he's got something. Yeah. I think he's but now he paying attention to Halbrand for the first time. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, like, and does this mean that he and does he think that he can use him like he's using Waldreg? I think that that's very possible. Right. Um, uh, and not to mention the fact that there's even a part. So, so there's there's two ways that I look at it. First is from Adar's point of view. Right. And it makes all kinds of sense to me that in that moment when Halbrand stops Galadriel slitting his throat is going to be the moment when Adar's like, huh, 
this is Ooh. maybe this is a per- maybe I should actually pay attention to who that idiot with the spear was who apparently right. I did something to but I don't care right um, now Halbrand is a person of interest to him but of course more importantly somebody had to ask him that right I think it's really important for Halbrand to have been asked the question who are yeah. you, um, you right before the because it's right before the kingship scene right that is right before he's you know yeah. announced as king of the Southlands up. yes he's setting everyone up to question it Exactly. You know, that, that is laid there for you to go, I don't right. know. And so for Adar to be asking that question, we're supposed to be asking. Like, it's yep. prepping us for that question. And it's one of the reasons, again, why having been prompted with that, like, okay, who who are you actually, Halbrand? There's so many ways in which that question can land, right? And, um, and it completely sets you up to not trust. I mean, like we said, you know, I, I could have believed that he was the king of the Southlands until that moment. But having that question set up immediately after he takes the helm, you go, no, who are you? You haven't answered that yet. So therefore, I don't believe this answer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. His walking out without answering that question, um, again, can be read as so many things in this show can be read in multiple mm-hmm. ways. Right. There's that one like his, as you say, <laughs> his failure to answer that question, his refusal to answer that question Um for me as a viewer, fuels my own uncertainty just in time for him to be announced king and me to be uncomfortable with it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it also, it's also kind of a strong thing. Like, he doesn't have to tell Adar, right? Um, yeah. You know, he the very fact that his response to Adar was not to engage with him and to mirror him like Galadriel did, but instead just turn around and walk away, yeah. that was good. Like, that was a good yeah. move. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, like that was Halbrand being strong. So it, it lands that way too. Like it sort of, it, you know, it, it shows, you know, I'm not saying it's a, it's like just a bad thing, right? That he, um, no, it shows position. It shows confidence. I mean, it definitely yeah. shows some sort of powerful position that you couldn't just have if you were just a lay person in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and meow indeed agreed. We want Joseph Malle as well. And we have requested, but I wouldn't hold your breath. because Yeah. No, they, they got <laughs> yeah. back to me and said that it's likely that that would not happen uh, because yeah. they said they'll ask, but he's not really doing many interviews right now. So, um, so it probably won't happen uh, sadly. Um, but um, yeah, we'll, um, uh, Corey was very passionate in his ask, so <laughs> I was, I was. Please, um, please, 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 pretty please. Uh, yeah, really want to talk to this guy. Really, lo- I mean, I just, yeah, I, I don't think there has been a finer performance in season one than and Joseph how Miller. quickly that character got us. You know, yes. like he didn't need the four episodes of Foundation Lane and setup. That character was strong and menacing and thoughtful all at the same time within seconds of screen time. And the way he played it was just so subtle and beautiful and disturbing. I I thought it was brilliant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah. So, so anyway, so we'll see, we'll see about Halbrand. Um, uh, Probably not. Do you think we'll get anything more of that plot line in this episode? Do you think they'll just leave us hanging until episode eight? Until like, well, will uh, will Goadriel stand up covered in ash in episode eight or episode seven? Do you think? Oh yeah, I feel like we should do this. Let's go through like what's what do yeah. we think is going to happen with Halbrand? I feel like he's going to hold on to this role at least through the start of season two. But we, as an audience, are going to have a reason to doubt him. Like I, we kind of already do, but I feel like we're going to see something. Mm-hmm. to kind of shift the belief of like it's clear we have to be suspicious 
right yeah. now i think we are suspicious but it should be clear that we should be suspicious so yeah yeah, yeah. um gladriel and the ash i sure hope it's in seven because we certainly left her hanging <laughs> yes all of them i mean the question of who's alive and who's dead yeah um, i mean are any of them gonna survive that i don't know yeah if, if not then we've just lost a whole lot of the cast <laughs> yeah well exactly no i yeah. can't imagine there's so obviously not all dead i mean we know isildur and elendil are going to survive quite confident it, yeah. in that great i'm pretty i'm quite confident muriel's going to survive too yeah. um because her eventual death at what i project to be the end of season four is too good not to do um so so yes, uh, uh, I, I, Bronwyn, Theo, Arondir, I don't fear for any of them yet yeah. either. Um, they're still way too early in their lose, plots. I do think we're going to lose somebody, if not a few somebodies, before the end of the season. Right, so that's but that I, was I Darren's really question. Think... Who's going to be the first named character to die? Oh. Do you think? And, and, and will it happen in season one? So let's see. Who will be the first one to die? Bronwyn, Aaron Deer are on my list. Theo, not yet. I think he's got a, a ways to arc. Yeah, I think Theo's... Bronwyn could die. Yeah. Could be Bronwyn. I think Bronwyn and Aaron Deer are the, the top chopping block because we don't know their continued trajectory and we have a romance there, so it's going to be extra tragic if one of them dies. Yeah, I am... Um, um, yeah... Yeah, Isildur's friends probably. Isildur's friends, but I don't even, I'm not even counting them. Yeah, um, I'm mean, like, we only learned their names last week because we read the subtitles so many times. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, no, I, 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 um, yeah, I, Volandil's clearly going to die. Um, I doubt he'll die just in the explosion of Mount Doom. Like, that's, mm. um, I actually don't think there are going to be any NAM characters killed by the volcano. I think it's no. too, um, there needs to be more focus. Uh, on that, um, uh, on Tamo and Valandil, sure. I think we'll lose them both eventually, but um, uh, but uh, well, we'll lose almost everybody eventually. But um, <laughs> brace yourself, Spoilers. everybody's gonna die. Uh, just about. Um, the second age is rough. <laughs> it is really rough. Um, Bronwyn. Here's why I think Bronwyn is much more likely than Arondir, because. Again, dealing with tragedy, right? Arondir left. So uh, if one of the two of them dies and the other is left behind, Arondir being left behind and kind of taking on himself as sort of, you know, step parental relationship with Theo yeah. is, I think, a much more interesting and rich kind of dynamic than just yeah. Arondir dying and Theo being like, oh, well, and, uh, you know, Bronwyn being sad, but yeah. moving on in and her you know, mother-son relationship. It's a little cliche and, and to be expected, but I feel like Bronwyn has kind of done the, I'm stepping into the powerful role. I am leading my people. I am sacrificing yeah. on behalf. So it's, it's, and you know, like somebody just pointed out, Southland story is over. Bronwyn's story is over. I don't know if her story's over, but like we did just kind of lose that, that ground of the village. So yeah. Yeah. The defense of the Southlands is done now i don't want to lose one of our female characters but i don't think she was ever one of the best ones either so it wouldn't surprise me if it was bronwyn yeah i she's a good option who else mm. numenorians no i mean aarian 
but she's not done anything yet. So definitely not a yada yet. No, I mean, I'm just her. thinking of like, because the problem with the, new, with the Numenorians is very few of them are expendable, right? I mean, right. we're not losing a Sildur, we're not losing, we're not losing a Lendil, we're not losing yeah. Muriel. So, um, uh, so that leaves us with relatively, again, yes, and Isildur's like, friends, but I don't count them. Harfoots, absolutely, we could lose any of them because they're not necessarily carried forward, but none of them seem vital enough or tragic enough. Yeah. to immediately lose and i think they're going to be our through line to carry into the next part of the story i don't know how yet but I yeah don't we absolutely hope. could lose like largo or marigold but that wouldn't really be that impactful at this point we would like, yeah, exactly we wouldn't gain anything by losing yeah. them you know like yeah. which i realize sounds cliche but that's why no, that's, you know? that's like, exactly i mean yeah it's you gain it, a lot of if you're making that choice yeah, yeah i mean there's 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 it has to accomplish something for the narrative, right? You don't just mm-hmm. kill people off for fun, right? And um, I agree, Poppy is set up to be a potential powerful loss, but not yet. Not yet. Like, it's not powerful Poppy's enough. Poppy's going to carry us like Frodo carried us. You know, for if sure. we're going to lose her, it's going to be yep. longer. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I would think Theo could be, but, 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 but not, again, his arc has too much to go. He's but, and not um, yet. Yeah. Yeah. His. T- I think it's the, just going to be Bronwyn. I'm going to stick to that. It is likelier. Thinking is through likelier. the rest of them, we haven't spent enough time with any of them for it to be impactful, and we haven't spent enough time for any of them to lose them yet. I mean, it wouldn't. I have do a anything. horrible suggestion. Oh no, Disa. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> no. I hope Varking's not still listening. But I, but I mean, like, I'm not. I'm not advocating for it. Not advocating for okay. it. Okay. Um, I will say I can see that in terms of how much we love them, it would yes. be tragic to lose her. But we're not going to lose her yet. If we're going to lose her, it's going to be well into their yeah, life. No, I, 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 I don't predict it. Really in love with her before they kill her. I mean, I'm just thinking like, who are candidates, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking. I mean, again, that other plot, like. Gilgalad, Celebrimbor, Elrond, Durin, we still need them all for, yeah. you know, like they, they, they I mean, still like have the explicit fir- roles. Yeah, I mean, like the top tier names we know from Laura Carry on. So, like, I'm sorry, they're not on the list. The second yeah. tier names, there's just so few that we spend enough time with for it to be any kind of issue. For it to, for it to, for it to count yeah. uh, in this so, like, in It could be way. Halbrand. It could yeah. be. I mean, basically, I'm con- when I'm answering this question, I am considering like people on the cast list, like yeah. people who are there, like that we got to meet in San Diego, basically, like the people who are like listed as like the the primary cast of Could season be one. talent on a show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Those are the people that. So anybody. So I get Durin the third doesn't count. Like, I mean, yeah, he he, he might die, but I'm not counting him. Um, Tar Palantir probably going to kick it. <laughs> yeah, Tar Palantir. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought he was yeah. dead in episode four, but uh, <laughs> then, he, then, he, then he got better. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so no, no, I, th- those are po- I'm, those are possible. But again, they don't count. I'm talking about ma- main character yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I no, not Halbrand again. He he has too far to go. Uh, his 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 plot arc is way too unresolved for that. Um, I don't know. I could I could see them doing something with that. Not gonna lie. Yeah. If they set it up well enough, that we're doubting Halbrand, but he's owning the title of King of the Southlands, and then he dies, and we're left, uh, and so is so are all the people of the Southlands. Right. That could be. I don't, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, th- I think it's, um, Trish, I agree. I'm not convinced any of those major characters yeah. are going to die in this season. Yeah. I, th- I think if I were placing a bet, my bet would be on all of them surviving uh, this season, especially since there's going to, a lot of them are going to die eventually. So why start it right now? You know? Um, yeah. uh, so I think the smartest money is on none of them die. Um, again, those like, what is it? 23 main characters that I forget Something the exact like number, but, um, uh, but yeah. So again, so the elder King Durin, not on the list. Um, Tar Palantir, not on the list. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't see any mortality at all. Uh, right. I'm just saying of the major characters, um, I don't, um, I don't think so. So, um, yeah, but I think I agree at the end of the day, if any of them, I think Bronwyn is likeliest, um, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, I'm looking at your list. What are the other things we needed to on things we needed to talk about. Let's, let's think about, um, let's think about the trajectory of like, where are we headed this season? I mean, we're talking about people dying or not. Right. But where are we headed in this? Where season? Where are we headed? Yeah. Like, so what's, we're, yeah, we have a bad, we have it. We have an Adar. Yep. We have the threat of a big bad, but we don't have a big bad yet. Right. So we know we have to head that direction. Yeah, we literally just saw Mount Doom show up. So that's a, a clear and important turning point. Obviously, the reveal of Sauron. I think it's very clear we're going to find out. You know, by the end of season one, we're going to know what Sauron is and what he's been doing. He's um, been all over the posters. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yes, still expecting my. Uh, um, let me introduce you to my friend Adar, or sorry, to my mm-hmm. f- my friend Anatar from Celebrimbor. Right. Whether they use the name Anatar or not. My project uh, manager. I love that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yes, excellent. The furnaces are done. Well, now it's time for me to introduce you to the one who's made all this possible. Right. Um, <laughs> still expecting that. Um, but um, what this. So, what else needs to be accomplished? What else? All right. Okay. Let me, let me approach this question from another way. Of the things that we don't know, how many of the, so who's, who is Sauron and where, I think is one question that is definitely going to be resolved. Who, who is, is the, the stranger? stranger? Do we think that's going to be resolved? I'm thinking yes with an asterisk. I think it's resolved, but I don't necessarily think that he not everything might be explained if you see what I mean right there might still be some like uncertainties about what exactly is going on there or what is going to happen but um, I think we can safely blanket say all of our questions will not be answered because they have spent this entire season setting up a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of misdirection so I don't think most of that is going to be clarified but I do think we'll know at least that like Blue Wizard or Gandalf or Independent, we might right. know that side of Wizard it. Wizard versus something else at the very least. Like, And I think he'll yeah. know who he is. I feel like that's the angle I would take. Like he's going to step right. into the role of who he is. Right. Because he doesn't quite know what his role is except to follow stars. 
and and that leads into the cultists which everybody's talking about like yeah who the heck are they and what's their deal and so they're clearly setting that up to be did i explain my cultist theory last week i don't remember sorry that's okay. So here's my cultist theory. Now, keep in mind, this is based only on the footage we got of the cultists in episode five, right? Like that one shot of the cultists. Based on that one shot of the cultist, here is my quick cultist theory. Um, blue wizards, right? Famously, Tolkien says when he invents the blue wizards in the essay on the Astari, he says they went bad. And how they went bad was in starting magic cults out in the East, Ooh. right? They were the leaders of uh, of mystical cults out in the East, trying to build their own power. So they went like the kind of Saruman light route, basically. They were like Saruman light. They were like minor league Saruman's out in the in the East, right? Okay, so um, but of course, then later on in his life, Tolkien kind of took it back and and was clearly theorizing that maybe the Blue Wizards didn't fail and they accomplished a bunch of stuff out in the East. And if it had not been for their efforts, then Sauron's armies would have been even bigger. Blah blah blah. Right. Um, so your uh, JD and Patrick and you want to include the two blue wizards into your second age story, especially since Tolkien says the two blue wizards might have arrived during the second age. So you want to involve the two blue wizards. What do you do? Which story do you take? Well, there yeah. are two of them. Right. So yeah. you could have one of them stay faithful and accomplish some cool things. And you could have the other one go off to become the leader of magic cults. Look right? at you. So it's like you know this stuff, Corey. <laughs> so the and what do we get in episode five? Creepy cultists, right? Creepy cultists. Creepy cultists. So I'm thinking, and then and of course we saw what's more an explicit connection with that constellation symbol on the inside of the shield, right? Yeah. Um yep. so the theory then would be what he was the reason he was drawing that constellation sign is that that sign is somehow connected to his them. fellow blue wizard compatriot, right? That he would be the second of the two of the two blue wizards. The stranger would be the second of the two blue wizards to arrive. The first one arrived earlier on. We don't know exactly how much earlier or exactly how or when, right? But he's he's arrived already. And so when he awakes, right, in his confused, newly incarnated state, um, the one idea that he's like has and is holding on to in his head is I've got, I, I need to find my colleague, right? I need to find the yeah. other dude. And so he's drawn the constellation, right? Which constellation has now been made part of this mystic symbol of the creepy cultists, right? And they are finding him, right? They were sent out searching for him. So again, so the theory would be that his colleague, uh, the other blue wizard has already arrived and has already become a creepy cult leader, um, leading creepy cult people whom he has sent out to hunt for his colleague whom he knows has arrived. Um, and there's going to be surprise and chagrin when Well, this I feel like that's happens. not even a theory anymore. That feels so clearly explained because we know they're connected. They showed up at the crash site. They had the star on the inside of the shield. Like, Right. They are clearly connected. Now exactly. They're they're That's they're clearly connected. Totally. So this would work. Like this would work yeah. really well. Um but um uh but I don't know. You know, I mean it also it necessitates the other one having arrived a lot earlier and we don't know what he's up to, but we still have lots of time to learn about that, right? So um 
Uh, so why did the stranger get placed in the Harfoot storyline? Oh, well, that's easy um, because uh, he is he's in the Harfoot storyline because he's going to be the one who's going to do good. Right. Mm. Um, and so the Harfoots and he are going to be involved in this like small hands that move the wheels of the world thing. I still have no idea where they're headed, uh, like the Harfoots, that is. What exactly is um, Nori has this sense of calling. Right. Like Bilbo and Frodo did, according to Tolkien. Right. Um, there's something that she's supposed to do. She doesn't know what it is yet. And the right. friendship theme. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so beautifully simple there that she feels the need to look after him and then he feels the need to help her. Like, it's just so pure that yes. I think you need something as pure as the Harfoots and as pure as uh, an amnesia-filled wizard to, to right. kind of have that connection. And what's he going to do? You know, it's it's also interesting. Remember, there were a lot of people who were really concerned, like, you know, the Harfoots are supposed to be not remembered, right, by the general public, right? So if they do something big to thwart Sauron, everyone's going to know about it, and that would seem to break lore, right? Which I hate that phrase, by the way. Like, it's break lore doesn't lore. get broken. Yes. It's not, it's like, it's a, a phrase is wrong in every way. Like, the first of all, the lore isn't like that. It's not this unified canon that people want to make it to be. Um, yeah. And secondly, and I think it's broken when you make a change. Like, it's, it's you know... Um, I mean, goodness, there's a whole bunch of things that Tolkien wrote that I think break the lore. Um, I was just complaining about this uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, I was I was was getting triggered by people on Twitter asking me about the choice of the half elf and and, uh, Arwen's brothers. But I'm not going there right now. The point is that um, and anyway, nevertheless, this idea. So, like, what if the whole Harfoot's plotline is going to be focused to the east instead of um, to the west, right? What if they actually never interact with Sauron or Galadriel or the other plot lines at all? What if what they're doing is working to yeah. thwart the magic cults somehow, you know, of the rogue blue mm-hmm. wizard? Like, their whole story is oriented towards this other threat, right? Which is, and which probably, ha- which certainly has some connection with Sauron, right? Just like Saruman, you know, had a connection with Sauron, right? So this you know, the rogue blue wizard, let's call him Alatar. Alatar and Palando were the two names he gave to the blue wizards. And he lists them in that order always. So I'm guessing that the stranger is Palando, number two in the list, right? As the second one to arrive. Um, and yeah, absolutely. The Entwives and Ents get involved. Possibly, yeah. possibly, possibly. Um, well, we saw them in a trailer and we've yet to really see them. So Oh I yeah, I know the Entwives have... are going to be involved. The reason I'm hesitating about whether they're involved in the Harfoots plotline is that if the oh, Harfoots yeah, yeah. head east... Then they're heading out of, uh, we know where the Brownlands are, right? We know where the gardens of the Antwives are supposed to be, and I don't see any reason to think they're necessarily going to change that. So until we see otherwise, I'm assuming the Antwives are living in the place where we were told they were living in the text, which is up next to the Anduin, um, upriver from uh, from uh, uh, Rauros. Um, and in other words, in the map, we saw the migration map. We saw them going south well past that and then turning and heading off towards the east. And that's the last that yeah. we saw them. Um, so th- where we last saw the Harfoots on the uh, on the map of Middle-earth is uh, like the upper right-hand corner of Mordor, north of the upper right-hand corner of Mordor, outside the mountains. Um, so um, uh, anyway, so like they seem, they're pointed east, like they're headed in that direction. So if they're out there doing something so we're getting like the, the Harfoots plotline becomes this whole like internal blue wizards plotline right that mm. would um that would work 
really well. Um, and it would and it would mean they would still be impacting the other trajectory, but they wouldn't um, uh, they wouldn't be involved. So, uh, Chris, are, are the Antwives fan servicey? Well, yeah, it's fan service, but it's also the story. Like Tolkien yeah. said, it was in the war with Sauron in the Second Age that the Antwives gardens are destroyed and the Antwives are killed or driven away. So, like that's they need a reason to not do that. Um, it's like it's just exactly what I. Well, okay, it's not. It's it's not. It's actually even easier. Um, I remember I get so annoyed. Uh, I gave so many interviews talking about this ten years ago um, about the inclusion of Legolas in the Hobbit films. Right? Everyone's like, "Oh, that's just fan service." No, it's logic. Like it's yeah. the Elven King, his father's hall. Like he was not in the Hobbit book because his character hadn't been invented yet. Right? But if you're gonna go back and make it consistent, like you have to have a reason to have Legolas not there when his father's right. kingdom is at war. Like, of course he's gonna be there. Um, so, like, is it fan service? Yes, but does it make sense? It absolutely it makes yeah. compelling sense that Legolas yeah. would be involved in that. Um, and. And fan service just means including something that makes fans smile or recognize. Right. That should be technically all of Tolkien's work. So if we're putting that in there, you know, Easter eggs are something different. That's hidden. That's a little clue. That's a little like, right. Ah, right. I know you're a big fan. But fan service, it's just like, yep, there's a character that you know. Ta-da. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like a little random Tom Bombadil cameo would be just fan service. <laughs> like yeah. that would that would yeah. be just fan service. Especially I'm not saying I'm not hoping out. for that, but yeah, yeah. Especially if yeah. they didn't point him out, but we all knew because they planted something that's only Tom Bombadil. Right. And it's like exactly, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Scene where like random guy in blue jacket jacket goes, you know, skipping and hopping across the background. Like, yeah, exactly, sure. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what Madagot was just asking for. So yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> actually, Madagot even better. Um, see a guy with yellow boots and blue jacket get pulled into the river. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. That's how he met his wife. So that would be exciting. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that, that would be even better. Um, I'd be like, huh, where, 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 where did that guy go? Yeah, yeah, yeah no idea. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's probably not important. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, so yeah, so and this is, so that's my, based on, you know, like 30 seconds of footage, that's my creepy cultist theory. Um, so we'll see. And I, as, as always, this is like a hypothesis based on very limited data. I mean, there's, there's Tolkien data, of course, but within the show there's very little data um and uh uh but it would seem to me to fit into work and now we'll we'll get more data tonight and then we'll re-examine and test the hypothesis and see what happens but um and here we go yeah 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 um yeah indeed i'm looking at yours uh i love that you're phrasing tolkien lore padawan yourself to Corey's jedi master <laughs> <laughs> I've asked a very similar question to people who have no Tolkien exposure mm -hmm. as well. So I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of the ground. Corey's at one end of the spectrum and a complete lay person that's never encountered Tolkien at the other. So, yeah, I have definitely followed the show geographically because I think I have a strong enough sense of like how Middle Earth is set up. But also they've really utilized the map well. So mm -hmm. I like that they use that to show us the groundworks. I'm also a bit of a cheat because every episode of Rings and Realms has the map and we focus so heavily on like locations <laughs> that I geographically I feel pretty strong now. I also fell down the rabbit hole. Did you guys see that on Reddit, the migration map? Is that the one you were referencing before? There's Yes. Yeah, a really beautiful fan made map about where everybody moves and I fell down that rabbit hole for a long time. So like geographically I feel very strong. 
story-wise, I do struggle because there are some foundations laid that don't pay off for me because I don't know the depth of the background. So I'm a little concerned that they're relying too heavily on Corey mm-hmm. to explain things or somebody <laughs> to Google things or right. somebody to read x-ray, you know, like right. there are definitely so like we've seen it in the YouTube comments. There are definitely people that don't understand the show until they watch Rings and Realms. That's right. a problem. You shouldn't have to have two hours of explanation to understand what's happening in a story. But I also have heard the other side that if you have no Tolkien experience whatsoever, they're not really concerned that they don't know the depth. They're just enjoying the show and it is making sense. So mm-hmm. I kind of have to just believe that at this point. But that's the bit where I think I'm, I'm missing a few tricks, that there's some things happening that I'm like, who said what? How did that happen? That tree right. is poisoned what? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, yes. Yeah. And it's, I will be interested to see how this, again, I'm wondering how much shift there's going to be as we get into season two, right? Having, you know, explained the variables that need explaining and we can just move forward with them. Right. You know, how much that's going to change. Um, so, um, so we'll see. Diamedia, you're right. They are expecting a lot out of their audience. Um, and it's one of the things Diomedia, I've not been talking about this much because I, if you do, it sounds condescending or insulting, and I, and I don't mean it that way either way. But like, when I hear people say things like "nothing happened in this episode," I'm like, okay, so you weren't willing actually to engage and think about what was said, which is fine. Like, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's your fault, right? Like, it's you know, um, it is the responsibility of the show to do that. But but yeah, it's and just as I like there are so many times when I'm seeing people say like this show doesn't engage with Tolkien at all. And I'm just like, you're just like, tell me you don't know Tolkien very well without telling me you don't know Tolkien very well. Right. I mean, it's like the people who are like the the trolls are just con- like continually demonstrating that like continually asserting that JD and Patrick know and understand Tolkien way better than they do basically. Um, and it's, um, but, uh, anyway, I, I, um, yeah, it's, but it does. I mean, Dimedia, as you say, it absolutely does come down to, um, these people, uh, like it, it does, it does demand a lot. You, you have to watch this show actively. It's not a show you can just veg out with. Um, you yeah, really I do have to have put to something pay, into it. Yeah, I definitely think you have to pay attention. I think you'll enjoy it if it's just on in the background because it's beautiful and there's some good action and things like that. But I don't know if you'd get it or like follow it, you know? So I do think they expect a certain amount from their audience. But frankly, I really appreciate that. There's a lot of more brainless television on that I love. Don't get me wrong. I will definitely Mm -hmm. sit down and watch Gogglebox or whatever else is is on and and entertaining. But it's also kind of nice to have to work a little bit for a show and to really try to figure things out and to make these connections and understand some of the complicated and difficult relationships. And that's you put the work in, you get something better out of it. So I feel like that's what they're setting us up for. Right. And to me, like... (laughs) that the that this is that that's happening in a Tolkien show like that there's yeah. that level of like richness and texture and and depth uh in a Tolkien show like man like uh a show that is so like 
dense and rich and full of, you know, uh, Tolkien like references and thought that like it puzzles people and they have to sit through and work it out. And a whole bunch of people are like, Oh, I don't get it. This is boring. I'm not going to watch this anymore. Um, like to me, I'm like, that couldn't be better. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's like this is like this is like me and me at Christmas, right? I mean, I literally could not ask for more than a show that requires really? the. I mean, I I, I hear what you really say think- when you say that it shouldn't require a two hour explanation show to help you get what happened in the episode, but at the same time, like I'm ready. This, <laughs> like, yeah, this, this is, is like a, yeah. This is like the best New York Times crossword puzzle made for Corey, right? Like this, this is <laughs> exactly. this is your level of puzzle. I also exactly. love. Um, uh, was it Jonathan uh, listens commented found it really telling the showrunner said that all the discussions fans are having right now they had in the writers room mm-hmm. completely you know like all the things that we're kind of speculating on and wondering well how does that work and how could they do that and that you know you're spending two hours on rings and realms uh, acknowledging and then I'm spending minutes looking at angles and things like that yeah they did that analysis they also asked those questions they also had people in the room being like but wait why can you think that? And how is this person there? Mm-hmm. I love that, that they, they went through that process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So All back right. to expectations about the end of the season. Let's again, think not just about like cliffhangers that are going to be or not be resolved. Where do we expect to be sitting? So like when we're done with episode eight, and we're preparing for the, like, as we then prepare for the who knows how long anticipation of season two, where do you think the show wants us to be sitting? Um, I think one of the things that I think we're going to get is I think we're going to be staring the rings of power right in the face. That is, we will be prepared for the forging of the rings of power in season two. Is okay. that like the anticipation Rings of power incoming, right? I mean, they've already taken a significant risk by calling the show the Rings of Power. Rings of Power. And not having Rings of Power in season one at all, right? Um, There's not been... And of course, people who know Tolkien see the references, like see how they're building up to it. We know what those... What that furnace that uh, Celebrimbor is building is going to be used for, right? We know that. Um, But it's not... There's not been a hint of it within the show itself, right? Um, so for people who don't already know that, they don't know that. Um, so there's, it's, it's, I think it's a significant risk in calling your show Rings of Power and then not doing anything, never uttering the phrase Rings mm-hmm. of Power in the entire, uh, in the entirety of season one. So I do think we're going to have again part of the um, meet my like the, the build up. To the Meet My Friend Anatar uh, speech I'm expecting to get from Celebrimbor in episode 8 is going to be, he's going to make his pitch. The Rings of Power pitch, yep. right? Yep. I have an idea. Here's, here's, here's the idea, right? He's going to be pitching Gilgalad and probably Elrond as well, now that Elrond is in the know, right? About the, in the know, I say in quotation marks. Um, uh, he's got, I think he's going to pitch the Rings of Power. And, um, and then... You know, introduce yeah. Anatar, basically. Um, I, I think it has to be raised explicitly sometime before the end of the season so that we can all be thinking. Um, I think big picture, the apart from merely introducing us to characters and introducing us to places and starting plot arcs, those are all really important things, obviously, that season one has to do. 
what season one has to accomplish. And JD and Patrick talked about this in London when we first met them. Um, it has to set up how people are going to respond, how different characters in different places are going to respond to. Um, like, why would they be tempted to say yes to Rings of yeah. Power? Yeah. Um, what is and, what is that temptation? And I feel like we are definitely starting to see some strong identifying with that because I feel like it's so easy for us to be like, why would you pick that up? That you know that's evil. No, they don't know that's evil. There's a thread right. of hope in in that yes, for them. And exactly. That's exactly why that was the, the one of the primary things that led me to the reading of episode five that I did and why I still think that Anatar is behind the scenes in Aregian. Um because uh, not because I don't think them capable of making the kinds of radical changes to Tolkien's world and story that would have had to be made in order for all of that stuff to be true, organically true, from episode five. Um, but what we were seeing in Gilgalad's words, what we were hearing from Gilgalad is this is why we would be tempted to say yes to the Rings of Power. Right. Because we believe we are convinced that there is this crisis and we feel this need to avert it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is something, some crisis that is significant enough that it's going to lead Gilgalad um, and Celebrimbor to choose the ends over the means. Um, And that and we were already seeing it with both of them. We saw both of them say to Elrond. Yeah, it's bad to break your oath, but the ends justify the means, right? They didn't use those words, but both of them were leaning on him in that direction. And that is a that is a hint. That is a tip um, of uh, of what's of what's of what's going on there. So, um, yeah. Oh, Darren is asking, is there anything left from those early meetings in London? We're still not able to talk about. I don't think so. I think we've seen it all now, isn't haven't we? I think so. I think we've seen it all. It was, I, I think by episode three, we'd seen it all. I'm making this face because I feel like there was something they told us to not like go into detail about, but obviously it wasn't impactful enough. For My me memory is it. selective. So I, if I was told that, I don't remember. You know, I actually took notes while we were in London and I have yet to look back at those notes. I should do that and just see if anything yes. registers. I'll do that for next week, guys. Um, see if there's anything in that that I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think um, we've seen everything content-wise yeah. from that. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, meow. Quick answer: Why does Sauron need a Celebrimbor Forge if Mount Doom was available? He doesn't. Celebrimbor does. Right. Um, he's trying to get Celebrimbor. It's part of what he's. He's not just using Celebrimbor because he has no other resources. Right. He's using Celebrimbor as part of the corruption process, um, and so he needs Celebrimbor to have a forge so that Celebrimbor can make rings of power. He, yeah, he could just retire to Mount Doom and do an independent project, but there's a reason he didn't do that to start with. Right. Um, it's part of the corruption of the elves. So, um, uh, yep, yep. Um, okay. Um, I don't think we're going to find the real Gogalad tied up in a closet. closet. Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, I I like these comments about like this shot. I I can definitely see that. We have to know that the rings are coming. We have to know that the forge is finished. We have to know that Sauron is around. We have to know that the temptation is taking hold and people are making decisions that are not that great, that we know where it's going to go, but we don't know how yet. So all those things kind of lead to a shot of the rings. 
and I like these different suggestions that you can see, like the ring molds on the <laughs> on the counter, right. or you know, Sauron kind of spinning one in the background. Or... <laughs> right, exactly. Right, Kella Brimbor, uh, kind of fiddling with a ring on his hand, you know, or something uh-huh. during the conversation, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, like no, gold, I think. I got gold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Varking, totally agree. Of the new characters I would like to see introduced in season two, Narvi is near the top of my list. Narvi is the dwarf mentioned as the one who worked with Celebrimbor to carve the, to make the, the, the new doors, the, you know, speak and enter, uh, speak friend oh, and I enter want, doors. I want all the dwarves. Just give me all of the More dwarves. dwarves. Yeah. Dwarves, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so, so Narvi, I, I would like to, I, we're, we're, we're told we're going to get cured in. There are others that we could get. Caliborn's going to come sooner or later. I don't know if it'll be season two. Um, yeah. Oh, there was another major character that I was thinking of who, oh, Anarian. I expect Anarian in season two. Um, yeah. We'll get him sooner or later, season two or three at the latest, but um, uh, How do yeah. you think, um, I'm blanking her name now, the sister, um, Isil's Aarian. sister. Yeah. Aarian. How do you think she's going to factor in? Because we're not back in Numenor for a little while and they're clearly setting her up to be somebody. And the architect thing is quite suspicious. Is she going to build something bad? I yeah no I um I think she's going to be the cutest Nazgul. I still <laughs> think I think she'll be the most adorable Nazgul of the nine. Yeah. The cutest Nazgul. Put that on yeah. a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. That's my theory. I I think okay. I I think she's I think she's going bad. Um, yeah, that she could be like one who helps to build the temple of Morgoth uh, yeah. after Sauron comes. Yeah, but that's yeah. not going to be like her next step. Like there's going to be down that direction. But yeah. Oh, yeah. OK, Ryan, I think I was thinking of that, too. Gorfindel. Poss- yeah, I, I think Gorfindel is likely eventually. Um, I don't know if we'll get that in um, season two or not. But but yeah, I think I think we're like I think we know we're going to get Kyrdan. I think we, we're sure to get Celeborn. I think it's possible that we'll get Glorfindel. Um I hope that we'll get Narvi. Um, I... Uh, who else do we need? I'm like, Probably as no a, more wizards. I don't know about new characters, but I mean, I hope we get more Theo. I hope yep. we get, you know, a, a few more of these ones that we're not entirely sure of, but are starting to set some pretty good foundations. Yes. It was only this last episode I really started to get on Team Theo. So I'm like, where's yeah. he going to go? Good right. or bad? I just think it's it's he's starting to get really interesting. Right. Yeah. Oh, Drow Snake. Orifer, for sure. Um, Orifer and like uh, Teenage Thranduil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Orifer is Thranduil, the elven. Is, Orifer is Legolas's grandfather, uh, Maggie. So he's the leader of the Sylvan Elves um, who is going to... Um, but we don't need him for a while. We don't need okay. him until season five as part of the Last Alliance. That's when he comes into Tolkien's story. Um, so he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't have to be in the show for a while. We could. We could. We we could do without him for a while. Um, uh, but um, Amandil, Chris, we're, we're not. We're, we can't be getting Amandil. Um, surely we would have had some reference. Amandil, Maggie is Alindil's dad. Okay. Um, uh, and so he is the because Tolkien does this sort of thing with them where he, Imando is the leader of the faithful, right? And Elendo is like the junior, you know, uh, dude, and Isildur is like real young. Um, and so then they get to, you know, when when they 
Amandel sacrifices himself and sort of stays, essentially stays behind, and then Elenda leads uh, the faithful onto to Middle Earth. So, um, but I think I think it's pretty clear that they've removed the Amandel role. I don't. Um, it is possible that Amandel is with Anarian in the West. I mean, Blood, uh, Blood the Inspirer. I am. Um, I had given up almost on Anarian. Um, so the fact that Anarian is there, um, should we go and discover that Amandil Elendil's dad is like the venerable leader of the faithful conclave out in West Numenor? I would not be shocked by that. Um, I'd be a little bit surprised that we've gotten not the first reference to, you know, grandpa uh, at any point. Um, you know, we've had... Obviously, lots of father-son stuff with Elendil and Isildur. We've had um, a bunch of references to the dead mom, uh, right? We've had several references to the missing brother who's made his choice and gone to the West. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 he'd be coming out of nowhere at this point if we got him on deal. But it's not impossible. But I don't, I don't, I'm not holding my breath on that. Um, yeah, oh. yeah. Um, are we confident Orifer will exist in this show? No. Confident? No. I think it's possible we'll get him, but I, I'm not confident in any way. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And anyway, as I say, um, really uh, less important. And um, I, Collingwood, I agree with you. Um, I don't... I. Not only do I not want, I don't expect we're going to have a whole lot of mystery box who is this mysterious character things going on in future seasons. Um, I think that that was a big part of, like, sort of the hook to, you know, like, why should you care about the stranger? Because you don't know who he is and want to learn more, you know? I But uh, I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting that that's going to, um, that that's going to really happen. Um yeah. Um, yep. Okay. Anyway, but um, but apart from thinking about particular characters, yeah, the orientation towards the Rings of Power is like like that beginning to turn the corner so that we're ready to like work towards the Rings of Power. I think is definitely mm-hmm. um, uh, definitely going to be there. Um, I think that most Jonathan. I think that most of the mystery boxes will be opened by the end of season yeah. one. Um, there will still be. Mysteries about the stranger. I'm sure. I mean, he's a he's a legitimately mysterious kind of figure, right? The big question is: he a good guy or bad guy, right? You know, is he an evil creature um, thus far in disguise, or is he, you know, is he is he malevolent or benevolent, right? That question, I think, is going to be answered. Um, there'll be. I more. bet it's not going to be. I bet it's not going to be clear though, because we've we've yeah. seen now that good is not good, bad is not bad. And good thinks they're bad and bad thinks they're good. So there's you know, going to be and, doubts. Yeah. Yeah. Phil was also reminding me that we were going to talk about Dutch angles, but like the only thing I think <sighs> I would point yeah. out, because you did a whole section on Rings of Realms about Dutch angles, but like the only thing I think we wanted to point out was there's this wonderful comment on YouTube from somebody talking about the Dutch angle, which if you yeah. haven't seen Rings of Realms yet is, is the whole Adar scene, the interview scene in the barn is filmed at a Dutch yeah, angle, like- which means it's off kilter. And the whole point is for it to make you feel unsettled and to not know how you're supposed to look and where you're supposed to look and who's in charge because the power dynamic is off because we're 
we're above, but we're below and we're, you know, we're off kilter. And somebody on YouTube pointed out, um, let me get their name because it was a really good comment and they should get credit for it. Uh, Tabasco da Gama, Tabasco, thanks, um, yeah. <laughs> commented about how it mimics the stone in the ship metaphor that we've had throughout this entire series for um, Galadriel. You don't know what is up. You don't know what is down. Uh, beautiful, beautiful time. And, and and how it messes, how the Dutch angle confuses their eye contact, right? Adar Completely. is low and sh- and she is high, right? And they're making but eye contact. Angle. But yeah, because of the angle, it's unclear, like who's looking up and who's looking down. And, um, and sometimes it looks like they're on the same level. So it looks like they should yes. be equal, but they are not because they're like this. But because it's shot, they kind of look like this. I mean, the whole point of that scene is to just confuse you about who's in charge yeah. and then tying it into that reference from the earlier in the season. It's just beautiful. So, yeah. 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 Dutch angles, man. Powerful things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I love that in Rings of Realm when it started Dutch angle and then you reset you. Yeah. We were, we were, we were playing with that. Like I was already standing there ready to start the shoot. And then we were making comments about somebody made a joke about the Dutch angle. And I was like, no, we should actually do, we should actually do that. So we we started we started playing with that. Um, it was funny, Maggie, because Ian wasn't in the room when we were doing that. Um, so Uh-oh. he was like trying to keep from laughing out loud when we did the like the Adar and Galadriel angles, you know, Dutch angles uh, shots. Greg and Ben and I set Love that up that. While, <laughs> while Ian was out of the room. So it was it was really funny. Um, uh, but um, I don't see the final cut until you guys do either. So it was, it's really fun to watch it back and like we've talked through stuff but then you see it, it's like oh my god they went there and then i start thinking what time of day was this was this 2 a.m did you make these decisions at 2 a.m <laughs> it was about 11 it. by the time we made the, nah maybe 12 30 by the time we made that i love it um but yeah no it was it was it was definitely fun um i was i was surprised i didn't they uh how they they dubbed Adar's actual voice over my oh, lips great. right the, yep. that was really cool was i was like a little bit disappointed because i thought like i actually did a pretty good Adar impression there but like it was it's good it was it was actually funnier with the with the dubbing but yeah. uh <laughs> anyway. and gladriel's voice over top that was great yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Oh, the uh, the making of videos, uh, Madagascar, oh, are so good. So if you guys good. haven't seen those yet, go, go to the Studio Lab uh, page. I think they're they're on the Rings and Realms channel. Uh, so if you yeah. go to the Rings and Realms channel, you can see those. Uh, the, and both the, Corey the, and I have retweeted them. Yeah, the one that they just filmed this week was about the making of episode six. Um, that was uh, that was stuff that was shot uh, on Monday when we were there at, at the studio. Um, actually recorded by like when ben says like we're in hour 16 uh there at the beginning he, he was like so that was probably shot at about 5 a.m or something when uh uh when they were no probably later that's probably probably when pat arrived at work the next day and ben was still there editing uh that they that they shot that bit so yes like ben the director who was starring in that uh in that making of video had actually been working on rings and realms for like the last 24 hours uh... and then continued because i had a meeting with him at 10 a.m his time and he said he had slept for about 35 minutes there you go so that's not a joke yes they did yeah that video is so good though because you guys can see a bit more of the behind the scenes of what that video wall is because it's just an incredible feat that like most people just don't have access to and here we are you know standing in front of these incredible images and the guys are so passionate about it that like putting these episodes together is super fun and it's gotten a little bit 
smoother as we've gotten on, not faster, but smoother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Diomedia, yes, we're doing, um, it's like the last two episodes of Rings and Realms, um, five and six, have both been filmed entirely on Monday. Like I, you know, uh, I show up at the studio. Maggie, of course, is is remote for these. So Maggie, you've been recording on like on Mondays, right? Your, your Here, material. Yeah. yeah so you, yeah. you record your stuff there and you, you send it over to them. Um, yeah. and then I've been, uh, arriving at the studio in the afternoon. Um, and you know, we've been, then we just, we just go through, we figure out how to set everything up. And then we, um, you know, I'm planning out my, uh, I don't script it. Like I have a, a kind of a, an outline. I have like, talking points I, I i work through a sequence of how i want to talk about it uh, and i have that on like a little teleprompter little teleprompter so i don't lose track of where i am and where i'm going um but then it's all it's all spontaneous from there but um but yeah then we film and and i normally i'm <clears throat> i'm there at the studio for eight to ten hours on a shooting day and then and then they start editing um and edit through for another you know 12 hours. I mean, because they talk about this 15 in the videos. Hours. Like, they edit yeah. into a timeline so they have, you know, one big chunk to clean up, but then it's the overlay. So we talk so much about scenes and shots and images and reference points, and they take those images from the episode and then overlay it into us talking. Yeah. So that's the stuff that takes so long. And then they grade everything so it has the right look to it. And it's just, it's so much work, but you can tell these guys are just so passionate about it. So, yeah, yeah we hope yeah. we get to keep doing it too. Don't worry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, uh, um, and yeah, this is, I mean, all of the, all of the folks who are working on this are, are, are volunteering their time. I mean, so this, all of this work that's being done every week to turn these episodes, to make these episodes and turn them around is being done volunteer and big thanks to the studio lab folks who are, uh, you know, giving us yeah. the space to, to, you know, and, and the team to do it in. Um, it's been a, a remarkable gift. Um, it does kind of crack me up every week though. when we see all these comments on YouTube being like, clearly, you know, studio labs part of Amazon. Look, they're in the credits. They've like, <laughs> No, no, no. So Ben said he's no. just going to put a giant disclaimer that says none of us work for Amazon. <laughs> none of us work for Amazon. Yeah. No, no, not a penny has gone in to support this. Now, like, I would love to see some pennies support this. If we had some pennies supporting this, then there's so much more we could do. And we could get, then like, an editing team who, yeah, we have we have plans for what we could do with pennies if we had pennies uh, that were going towards this. Uh, but at this point, no pennies uh, involved, and it's all been volunteer. Um but um, uh, Varking, I saw you ask about your uh, invite to the studio. First of all, anytime, come. Varking. We would love oh to have God, you. Oh my God, Varking, come! You totally should. Uh, yeah, contact if you guys me. Seen it, we're... Bring, yeah. Yeah, Varking, you get first refusal. But guys, we're doing a live watch party thing, so you know the links are on Corey and I's Twitter. But if yeah. you want to come up to New Hampshire and watch the final filming, because we're going to be together in New Hampshire for the final episode. And doing the live watch party, doing a live other yeah. hands from the so, studio. Yeah, next week. Next week is going to be is going to be really cool. So, um, uh, so if you can get up to New Hampshire next weekend, like next Friday, um, the Thursday night when episode eight drops, when the finale drops, we're going to do a live watch party at the studio, so people can watch uh, episode eight on the big screen, and we'll do the live discussion immediately afterwards. And then the next day, we're going to shoot Rings and Realms. Um, so we're going to shoot Rings and Realms with a live studio audience. So we're going to have um, you know, folks are going to be there. Um, and the folks who are coming, like, this is not going to be a passive backstage ticket uh, yeah. that people are getting here. You're going to be involved. in the. So I'm going to be like, well, I'll be because remember be at the kids table. 
Right. Yeah. This is all going to be happening. Um, this this is all going to be st- like the event that day is all going to be starting about nine hours after we finish watching the episode for the first time. Right. Um, yeah. And some a little bit of sleep is going to have to happen in that nine hours, too. Um, but then anyway, we're going to we're going to. St- so I'm still going to be thinking through like my outline. What do we want to talk about? How do we want to discuss? So I'm going to be talking. I'm gonna, the, the folks who are there are going to be helping me with that. Um, we're going to be um, brainstorming like what images do we want to put up on the wall? What segments do we want to do? How do we want to approach those? Um, maybe we'll be able to uh, film some bits with extras. Uh, you know, is, you can actually appear on a Rings and Realms episode. You know, we'll see. We we'll see. We'll see how we can how we can figure that. Um, we might do some live uh, 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 sort of Q and A stuff uh, yeah. uh, as part of the or or connected with the show because we're going to have folks there. So, but also um, throughout that day, we've got our Twitter show at noon. Uh, Corey's got the Twitch watch alongs. So, like all those things are going to be happening. Are going to be happening in like other day. yeah p- parts of the studio. So yeah, it'll be kind of backstage for the whole shebang. And Highlander, there. yeah, we might Highlander. We might do that. <laughs> <laughs> Realms is taped in front of a live studio audience. Exactly. So we have a lot of ridiculous ideas that have come up in the wee hours that we, if we've got time, we're going to film a whole lot of extra content. Oh man. Yeah. I have, uh, um, I even wrote a whole script uh, that we didn't get to do this past week, but uh, well, yeah. Some things might be revealed. So we have to just sit on that script. For yeah. We have hour. to sit on that script. We'll, we'll make something we'll happen. See. Yeah. 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 Um, in short, come on up and Varkin, get your ass up here. <laughs> yeah so we have uh, so you can uh you can find so we have um we're selling tickets to this they're they're cheap it's 75 dollars for the whole thing or 50 dollars if you're also attending new england moot which is the next day which is our, our signum uh little mini conference that we're having the next day also at studio lab there in new hampshire um so if you go to um signumuniversity.org and then click on the news and events category um or down to the regional moots category, you'll see both New England moot and also uh, the links for um, the uh, Rings and Realms finale event. Um, so definitely invite folks to to come along. It'd be great to meet folks. You can be involved uh, in helping us shape and film the final episode of Rings and Realms. Uh, we're going to film as much as we can that day on Friday uh, together as a group. So yes, uh, Sarah, seats are still available, um, but we do have a limited number. It's not a you know the it's it's going to be uh, you know everybody, everybody we can sort of lawfully and safely fit within that room. Um, so uh, there are limited seats uh, that we can do. So um, thanks, Stuart's Fire, for posting the link on that. Appreciate that. Um, and Zayden, everything that's normally online will be online, so you can definitely still do the watch along in the Q and A afterwards. Like we won't yeah. set up a camera in the studio all day to just like watch us walk around, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> everything that's everything that's normally online will be online. So you exactly. Yeah. No, it's there. There's not going to be a hybrid element to this because it's going to be too much chaos for us to try to uh, stream. And it's a big space. We don't have that many cameras. I mean, we'd set one up over the sandwiches and that's probably where you'd see us the most. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There'll be food and uh, yeah, no, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. So um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, man. Swallowed up in victory. That's a really great question. Why is the Numenorians arriving a you catastrophe and not a deus ex machina? Um, that's a conversation I've had before, but it's a really good question. Like there's actually um, uh, people tend. Well, I'm not going to we don't have time to talk about this right now, um, but at some point we'll have a conversation about the difference between a you catastrophe and a deus ex machina because they are very there. They do have many similarities, uh, but there are some pretty important differences, too. So um, anyway, 
that is what is going on. So I do hope that folks can come and join us. Um, uh, uh, can come and join us next Friday. Uh, next week is our big week. Maggie can't wait for you to uh, fly over wait. here next week. You know, to be yeah, I fly on Tuesday. I'm going to actually not be filming things on a tiny camera here in my living room. I'll be in the studio. Yes, Can't exactly. Wait. So that'll be Can't fun. Wait. But of course, we're going to be filming episode seven on Monday before you leave. So uh, then we'll be it's bracing fine. ourselves for episode eight. But um, yeah. anyway, awesome. Um, well, we're over time, so we should probably let you guys go. Thanks, Maggie, for okay. another fun discussion. And we'll um, great. we'll see. Um, I will be back for the. Um, uh, what do you call it? The watch party tonight watch on party. Twitch. Uh, uh, so if you go to, I'm going <laughs> to, I accidentally broadcasted everywhere a week before last, but I did it right last week. And I'm going to try to do it right again. Uh, so if you, um, if you come to twitch.tv slash um, uh, that's where you can join us for the watch party tonight. And then, uh, discussion immediately afterwards as always. And then I head to the airport. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's tonight. Um, that's right. Uh, but um, I might join you for the watch yeah. party. I, I, cool. It would work well if I woke up early and did that, but I can't promise I will wake up early and do that. So okay. I never, I never um, rely on me. Criticize? No, I never <laughs> criticize people for failing to wake up at five a.m. Like I totally Excellent. get it. Yeah, I totally <laughs> Thank get you. It. Um, but um, yeah. Anyway, awesome. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you guys soon. Bye now. See you soon. Bye.